all four of us were riding along and one guy said, yeah, I had this dream. I've had this recurring dream where, and they're all entrepreneurs. I had this recurring dream where I, you know, find myself on a operating table and I'm operating on myself, you know, and I, I said, I had that exact same dream. And all of us, all four of us had that exact, exact same dream that we're on this operating table operating ourselves. Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hey guys, welcome to episode one of Channel Journeys. I'm very excited about getting this show launched. It's been something I have wanted to do for the last probably 12 months or so, and it's really going to be fun and interesting to learn from all the channel pros in all areas of this dynamic business that I'll be interviewing each week or every two weeks. We'll see what I can keep up with. But this first episode was no exception. You know, as channel professionals, we're always asking or we're being asked, how can we increase partner performance and drive more revenue through the channel. I think we're often missing the first question though, which is how can we increase the performance of our partner managers? I know as a channel chief, I've often faced that problem of my channel account managers really not having the skills and or tools they need to really effectively drive top performance from their partners. And today's guest is an entrepreneur who's developed an innovative solution to this classic problem. Gary Morris, he's the founder and CEO of Successful Channels, and he's the creator of the five-minute channel manager toolkit, and we're going to talk about that in this podcast. I had a lot of fun chatting with Gary about the journey that led him to take the entrepreneurial leap and the niche that he is filling in the channel. Listen to the end, and you'll learn why Gary is dreaming about operating on himself. Here we go. Hey, Gary, good to talk to you. Welcome to Channel Journeys. Rob Spee, how you doing? Good to hear I, from you. I am doing fantastic today. Thank you. Hope you are too. Yes. So let's get to Gary and what you're doing today. Successful channels. I, I'm very familiar with successful channels, but I imagine some of our audience may not know so much about what you do. Do you want to give the elevator pitch for your company? Sure. Successful channels has been around about four and a half years. We do partner planning and performance management. These are tools for channel managers. Channel managers' responsibilities are to create business plans with their partners, do quarterly business reviews with their partners, do partner profiles or scorecarding of their partners, help them create marketing plans, and do overall performance management. These are business processes that have been largely managed with the use of PowerPoint and Excel. This is a gap in most PRM, CRM systems. So as a result, we've said, well, gee, there is a gap, a green space in this channel technology marketplace. What software people do is to define workflow, step-by-step -step business process tools that can be integrated with CRM like Salesforce and Sugar and other tools that are integrated with your partner relationship management, your PRM systems, and integrated with your other, so other systems. So these are the tools that channel managers use to manage, measure, and motivate their partners. Yeah, I'm, I'm painfully aware of, of 
the problem and lack of tools that you have and the use of Excel spreadsheets and the great value that you bring with your company and your products that you're developing. And I want to dive back into that. But first, I want to talk a little bit about your story, Gary. I know you've got an interesting background. Tell me a little bit about that journey that, that brought you to your current business. Yeah. So 10 years in corporate marketing and sales started with basically a Campbell Soup and Pepperidge Farms, so it was a seven-year marketing career, and started in sales, and then was, had some success and was recruited into marketing and you know, worked my way up in marketing and new products in a number of different divisions. And then I took over marketing at a company called Colombo Yogurt uh, and was, ran marketing there for corporate marketing for three years. That's when I got off the corporate treadmill. My first software company was a company called Copernicus. It was basically custom software. It was part of a marketing research company. It was th three founders, and we developed a marketing audit. This was, think of like, we call the generally accepted marketing principles, similar to, think of generally accepted accounting principles, but a set of standards for marketing best practices. We, well, wait, we, wait a second, Gary. Sorry. So you started out more in the, the brand sales and brand marketing what were you thinking when you got out of school? Did you have a vision of, of where you were going or wanted to go in your career? Well, really liked marketing. Okay, so that was my the driving force. And mm -hmm. so it started as sales that developed into marketing. And then I had two corporate marketing paths. And I said, all right, well, how can I apply that knowledge and passion for marketing into my own business? Because I always, ha always had an interest to build something. I, I would say if you do introspection about yourself. You think, what, what, are you a team builder? Are you a, a leader? Are you a builder? So I, I realized that my, what motivates me to get up in the morning, get out of bed and, and, you know, work hard is I like to build things. So now I'm on my third software company. The first one was, was services and, and software. And then the, the next two are, were software as a service. Where do you think that came from? Was your dad an entrepreneur or what, what do you think gave you that bug? I think it has more to do with necessity has a mother invention. I, <laughs> it's a mother invention. In corporate marketing, often, you know, you have to be willing to move, you know, and move the family to wherever the jobs take you, Los Angeles, Dallas, Chicago, Atlanta, New York, whatever. And I just didn't want to go down that path. I wanted to choose where I wanted to live and have my family live in the same place and built. so that so that choice led me to an entrepreneurial path that that was the primary motivation and you've stuck with us ever since yes. right yes exactly so you founded copernicus yes was there any channel element to that at this point were you starting there to work with not. resellers that was the next company next company okay yeah so what happened there okay so after we sold that company to another company I founded Marketing Advocate. I think the, the funniest moment there was I did all this, you know, I did research on domains and company names and what I was trying to do. And I said, I think I've got it. Marketing, marketing Advocate. And I shared it with my wife. She goes, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, okay, I'm going with it. So there we go. There you go. But so it was, the idea was to have an automated marketing system. At that time, I founded the company for corporate marketing to provide automated multi-touch nurture marketing solutions. So I was competing with Unica, Aprimo, Marketo. Mm -hmm. And what happened, you know, this was organically funded, just, you know, me funding it through cash flow, et cetera. All of a sudden, about, you know, three or three to five hundred million dollars of institutional capital flowed into my marketplace. And so there was no way I was going to 
compete in that feature fashion show with all these corporate marketing clients. So I said, gee, what, what's the green space? Well, look, there's this underserved segment called channel that has the same needs as corporate, but the, the solutions aren't geared toward them. Channel needs this concept of syndication, meaning the ability to create and execute campaigns that can be executed at very low cost efficiently for partners and with partners without all of the cumbersome labor that's involved in executing a corporate marketing campaign. So we basically, you know, saw the writing on the wall completely change the course of the company. And in about nine months, we reoriented the entire company toward the channel. And so that's, you know, then we focused the company in, in growing. And ultimately, our company was acquired by a Zift Solutions. So my, my old team is, is at Zift. Ah, okay. Yeah. And so you decided to, to cash out and sit on the beach for a while? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the story. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. But so when that sort of, you know, ended, it was time to do something new. So typically, you know, CEOs of companies have non-competes. So I said, all right, well, let me find, I'm very familiar with marketing and the channel, but what's the underserved need? And I found that there's this underserved need. There's a lot of great channel technology for partner relationship management, portals, you know, incentive management, MDF, marketing, et cetera. But the one space that was basically completely underserved was the, the role of the channel account manager. Mm -hmm. you now, the channel account manager is out there, in my estimate, flapping in the wind, meaning that they're, they're all the business processes they're having to make up on their own because there aren't systematic tools and business processes for things like business planning, marketing planning, QBRs. And they're all over the map. I have hundreds of examples of these from clients and prospects that they've shared with me that of how they do the work that they do. So what we've done is spent the last five years or so building a range of tools inspired by those in our own experience to allow you to create a business plan in five minutes, a marketing plan in five minutes, a partner scorecard in five minutes, a QBR in three to four minutes, have export to PowerPoint, show it online and have all this stuff integrate with your CRM and other channel systems. So we've basically said, channel managers, we don't want you doing all this administrative manual work. We want you to focus on being the consultant, the advisor, the motivator, the enabler, the champion to your partner. We'll provide you tools that bring the data and the analysis to your fingertips so you can do your job in a fraction of the time and be much more efficient. So that's been our business mission, and that's led us to now we have eight tools within our suite, all under this umbrella of partner planning and performance management. What kind of reception did you get when you first launched and you had this idea of, of automating many of the tasks that a channel account manager needs to do? How well was that received when you first started talking to potential clients? Well, let me give you an analogy. When I worked at Pepperidge Farm, I, there was these cinnamon buns that we we had and that, that I introduced, one of the many products I introduced when I was there. And you take these things out of the oven, and I'm sure you can imagine the smell. I mean, it's just infectious. You know, you smell these things, and people are running in every direction. So, of course, that's what I expected when I introduced <laughs> this, right? You know, here's this complete you know, green space. There's nothing, you know, it's just Excel spreadsheets. And what I found, it wasn't like selling 
cinnamon buns right out of the back of the oven. They weren't you know? running to Gary to they get there. They were not running. They <laughs> were not sprinting to me in slow motion. That's what I was picturing, slow motion running, you know, mm-hmm. with smiles and cheers. Music in the background. What, exactly. Choral music, the clouds parting <laughs> with beams of sunlight. Unfortunately, that was not the case because the channel, unlike just about every other business function, is probably the last if not the 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 single last if not the last adopter of technology Mm -hmm. people in the channel like to do the way things they like to do it and change does not come easy in the channel if you look at the you know a professional direct sales organization a supply chain organization accounting manufacturing logistics every one of those every one of those other business functions have business process management software for everything highly sophisticated very well penetrated, very well adopted. The channel is the polar opposite. And this is, you know, is the the adoption of technology has been historically very slow. And even today it's slow, but it's changing. I've seen a big change in the last two years on the openness of channel teams to adopt technologies to improve, you know, efficiency and productivity of business processes. You know, that's what BPM, business process management, is basically what software does. And so what we have found, frankly, is that, that finally the channel, channel teams, channel organizations, business executives are really realizing and embracing the virtue of you know, a well-defined set of, of technology tools to help run a more efficient and more effective business and how it impacts your partner value proposition. I wonder, why do you think the channel has been so slow to adopt? I I have always been thinking that it was the lack of tools that slowed down the adoption, but you almost make it sound like a cultural factor of of lack of adoption or or reluctance to adopt new technology. Well, I think it's both, Rob, but because of this pervasive cultural resistance, and again, I'm thinking of a historical resistance. You know, how how was business done on the channel 10 years ago? It was... Golf tournaments, steak dinners, and, t- and uh, ski trips. You know, right. the number one, two, and three budgets in the channel today are discounts, incentives, and MDF. Okay, and all of those have historically been just disguised way of buying loyalty, mm-hmm. and sometimes tied to performance, and sometimes not. I think what's happened is that organizations have wised up. They've realized both the importance of the channel in their growth strategy. And the importance of, you know, ROI or lack of visibility into ROI. And that's led to, you know, a top-down meaning from vendor down and bottom-up, you know, partner-up, you know, realization of the importance of, of tools that are focused on improving productivity and ROI. And that's, you know, that's the, the, the why, why do, does any business function adopt business process management tools for improving business efficiency, productivity, and return on investment. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's just taken the channel a while to wise up. And I'm speak, I'm not thinking about one individual. I'm talking about the channel at large. You know? And I mean, I could tell you, I won't name the companies, but large global technology clients, five to 20 billion uh, companies, five to 20 plus billion dollars, their channel chiefs have said to me, we're fine with our spreadsheets. We're fine with our disconnected spreadsheets that don't, you know, that don't talk to our CRM. That you know, we create business plans. We rarely do QBRs. We're fine with that. 
This is an area that I want to explore further you know, in future podcasts, because I think it's a very interesting one. We in the channel often complain that we're the, you know, the redheaded stepchild, that we don't, they don't pay enough attention to us. We don't get enough respect. We're not integrated into the, the core business. But in part, we may be doing it to ourselves by being reluctant to really get on board with the new technologies that, that make us so much more effective. Just like I tell my kids, you, you get what you give. <laughs> you know, that's your gift. It's all, you know, it's how, or, and how bad do you want it? You know, so if you want respect from the rest of the business, you got to give a little, you know? Yeah. And, and so you have to be subject to the same discipline that other business functions are, are subject to. So what we're, again, what are we trying to do? We're just trying to make it easier to be like that, you know, to saying, listen, the channel probably has the worst data infrastructure of any business function. Data is everywhere. It's fragmented. Systems don't talk to each other. So what we're trying to do is say, you know, saying how does a channel manager spend a lot of their day? They spend, you know, QBRs. Let's ask a typical channel manager. Again, I'm, I'm generalizing. Okay. A typical channel manager has 15 to 25 partners that they're, they're responsible for. Some are less, some are more. And you say, well, how many of those do you create business plans for? maybe the top three to five. How many of those do you, of those ones that you do business plans, do you actually do quarterly business review? Uh, maybe two or three. Mm -hmm. So, and why, why do a business plan in the first place? What's the point? The whole point is about commitment development. You know, it's, you want as a vendor, you want a disproportionate share of that partner's interest. How are you going to get that? You're going to get that by them realizing how they're going to win if they give you a better commitment to your brand, you know, you, you're fighting for share and, and share of mind, share of, of deals, share of registrations, et cetera. So how do you do that? You say, I'm going to build a deeper relationship, a, a mutual commitment and measure, manage and motivate their performance. That's partner business planning, scorecarding and QBR. I argue in my completely unbiased opinion, I'm joking, mm -hmm. but is that that is the most critical part of building your partner business is partner business planning, scorecarding and doing QBRs. Well, I think you're right, Gary, you know, going back to the reluctance to adopt new tools and kind of having that old sales mindset about steak dinners and relationships that doesn't cut it anymore. The, the channel account manager has a very challenging job. It's a, it's a difficult role. There's so many different aspects to what a cam, a good cam is doing in business planning and being that consultant to their partner and helping them with sales and everything else. So having the right tool set is, is hugely important. You mentioned doing a five minute business plan. And I know in a number of companies that I've been working with or in, that business plan can take days or weeks, and it can be a very painful process, and, and many times that's why it's not adopted. How, how are you able to, your customers able to do a five-minute business plan? Yeah. Well, when I say a five-minute business plan, I would say that I have not found a client or a prospect who have, who have not <laughs> argued with me over that number. Mm -hmm. But I do that purposely to be evocative, you know, mm -hmm. to show the ends of the continuum. We have a, a business planning tool that you can actually create in as little as five minutes, but no one does it in five minutes. They do it in a half hour to an hour. But why can they do it in a half hour to an hour versus two, three, four days worth of all this preparation? It's because all the data is at your fingertips. There are characteristics of being able to do this well and doing it in less time. Number one, for every decision 
that you're asking your partners to make about you provide sample values. An example would be, what are your goals? Well, instead of just having a blank field that says fill in your goals, you have a drop down and you as a vendor have thoughtfully analyzed and created a set of sample goals that they can choose from with well-defined titles, descriptions, metrics, and, and, and other dimensions. And partners really appreciate that. In our experience, about seven out of 10 partners choose one of the predefined goals. And they also, and then with that, okay, with this goal you've, you've suggested, here are some recommended strategies. Which one of these four to six strategies do you, would you like to choose? Again, channel managers and partners appreciate the fact that you're, you've taken the time to create some thoughtful recommended strategies that correspond with those. And I found that seven out of 10 partners will take those recommended strategies because they appreciate, oh, you've already identified that. Great. That's perfect. You know, and then, so the same thing with forecasting, you know, give them multiple ways to forecast. Do you want to do percentage of prior year? Do you want to, the other, so you just enter a percentage, boom, there's your forecast. Or do you want to do the number one question we hear when we're having discussions with partners about forecasting, hey, I've never sold this product. What do other partners like me sell? So that's what we call a prepackaged forecast. So you have a prepackaged forecast that lays out, hey, here's a modest average and accelerated forecast. Which one of these do you think is a good place for you? So the overall message here is that do all of the work for them so they can pick and choose what, you know, the term I would say often is give them something to disagree with. Well, I don't mm -hmm. want that one, Gary. I want this one over on the right. Great. Now what we've done is you've given them something that they believe in, that they can complete in the fraction of time and have a much more satisfactory experience that they can earnestly get behind. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've heard the expression, yeah, we fill out the, you know, we fill out the form, the Excel spreadsheet so we can get the money and we never look at it again. It's a complete waste of time. I can tell you, I've heard that quote in different forms a hundred times over the past four years. Yeah, it's true. Way too many times, way too many times. So you're creating this, this kind of pre formatted template that a cam can use to go in and have that conversation to build out the business plan and select from a drop down. it sounds like, of, of answers for building out their plan. Yeah, and the same with the QBR is that you, you know, you, what are you doing? You're creating the, your, your targets for sales, pipeline, you know, certifications, accreditations, any, met, any program metric. You're creating your target, and then you connect the data in wherever that data is in your ERP system for revenue recognition, your sales system, your, your, your CRM for sales or, or pipeline reporting, your learning management system, and you bring it in. So all the, all the channel manager or the partner has to do is to go into the portal and say, show me my QBR dashboard. I want to see exactly where I stand today, tomorrow, and the next day, performance to plan, pipeline to target, certifications, accreditations, my capabilities, scorecard, all of those things instantly. So now as a channel manager, I spend, I'm spending 90% of my time talking about what to do about it, as opposed to what most channel managers are doing. They're spending 80% of their time trying to gather all this information and only 20% actually presenting and working with the partner. What have you seen in terms of people using successful channels to help break down silos. You know, that's a big problem, I think, for a lot of people in the channel is 
getting the buy-in from people in the rest of the organization and getting their support of their partners. Have you seen people use success channels in a way to, to kind of bridge that gap and break down those silos? Rob, are you talking about silos within the partners or silos within the vendor organization? Within the vendor organization. Yeah. Well, I would say, you know, oftentimes, you know, the partner management function is like CAMs are separate from the account or the, sa the sales organizations. Right. So, you know, the sales meaning that those are, they're leading the sale and then either turning the deal over to the partner or assisting the partner in closing the deal or closing the deal in any one of those scenarios. I think the, the, what this partner profile or partner scorecard helps is to merchandise to the account teams, hey, here are the qualities of a partner that you can feel confident that this deal is going to be closed and delivered effectively by this partner. Being able to profile their capabilities because the, the salesperson is counting on the partner to fulfill that deal, to successfully install it, to make sure that the client is happy so they can get follow-up revenue. So they can so I think this, in terms of helping the channel organization, the channel manager team co collaborate with the sales team, it's been extremely helpful, particularly the scorecarding system. Excellent. So you, when you first launched, it wasn't people rushing to get the cinnamon bun. Where are you now? You're, you're four years into the company? Yeah, almost five. Almost so, five. Yeah, we're, we're growing. We've got tens of thousands of partners using it globally. It's a lot of fun. You know, it's kind of fun to define a, a new market space. And because of that, we're kind of friends with everyone. We collaborate with all vendors in the category because we're in a very unique position. You know, we know, realize that, that that gap is closing and will continue to close. But we're just we feel like we're a little bit ahead of the curve on this particular, you know, s segment of the channel technology suite. And the other thing I think all channel technology vendors wind up doing is we're providing consulting advice on a client's channel technology strategy. You know, you walk in, I say, oh, I've got this portal, I've got this incentive system, I've got this CRM system, I've got, and we're, we're all trying to help them piece these pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah. So, and as you, you're aware, Rob, there's a lot of institutional money flowing into the capital, into this market, because they see it as a very fragmented market. And there's opportunities for roll-ups, all under the same promise. How can we help provide a unified channel solution across many different segments to make it easier for vendors to put all of this stuff together efficiently on a, on a streamlined basis? Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, you and I met what a couple of years ago at a channel event. Yeah, uh, four yeah, or five years ago, yeah, yeah. And you always look like you're having fun, so you must be enjoying the journey. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of, a lot of hard work. But if you it, don't like the hard work, then you have no. You should never be an entrepreneur. You know, I, I went, went, can tell you, Rob, that being an entrepreneur is not for everyone. You know. No, it's not. And you've got to be able to stick with it and get over, you know, get past that moment when people aren't coming rushing to your, yeah. your cinnamon buns. There's a lot of moments of truth, a lot of belief that you have to have in what you're doing. Because if you, if, you, if you have doubts, you'd probably better not take that route. That's right. Well, I applaud you. Congratulations for, you know, your success that you've had. Not, and not, this isn't your first time around, too. Well, Gary, was there anything that I didn't ask that you would like to talk about? I, you know, I think we... we 
we covered a, a lot of good topics. I, I was just thinking of one story, thinking of biking. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a group of guys that I also ride but, uh, less frequently now, but they're all entrepreneurs. You know, different. One guy owns a, a local chain of sailing supply sh- shops. Another guy is an artist and, and another one in, in financial services and myself. And all four of us were riding along. And one guy said, you know, I had this dream. I've had this recurring dream where I, I, I you know, find myself on a operating table and I'm operating on myself, you know. And I, I said, I had that exact same dream. And all of us, every, all four of us, had that exact, exact same dream that we're on this operating table, operating ourselves. And I think it must be something to do with the anxiety of being an entrepreneur. And as I said, it's not for everyone, but you, you, you love it and you hate it at the exact same time. That's fascinating. I wonder, maybe other entrepreneurs that listen to this podcast have had that same dream. That's that's really interesting. All right, Gary. Well, thanks a lot. Really enjoyed this conversation. And thank you for being my first podcast guest. Thank you, Rob. Okay, there you have it. A very fun conversation with Gary Morris. If you want to learn more about Gary, you can find him on LinkedIn. He's a frequent contributor with interesting posts. His last name is Morris, M-O-R-R-I-S. And for more information on Successful Channels, just go to SuccessfulChannels.com. My next episode is with Rich Blakeman. He is the author of the Hybrid Sales Channel book, a very interesting read. We're going to talk about that book, and we're going to talk about his channel journey. So be sure to tune in again on the next episode, and make sure you have a great channel journey yourself. See you next time on Channel Journeys. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, Please forward it to your channel friends and be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure.